Good morning, High Desert Word Center. How's everybody doing today? Amen, amen. Well, welcome to the very first Sunday of the 2020 Christmas season. And I'm telling you, I my excitement was already at a 10 since about June, but now it's at a 13, and it's only going to get higher. So I'm ready to do this thing. We're going to celebrate Christmas and celebrate it really, really big this year. Come on up, my lovely wife, and we're going to go over a few announcements because we've got some stuff going on around here, and we want you to be in the loop so you don't miss out, all right? Amen. Amen. Well, Merry almost Christmas. Doesn't the church look nice? Yay. Jesus came, and he's alive forever. That's awesome. So what is going on this weekend? What is going on tonight? Christmas came early, so you're going to come tonight at 6 and have some cookies, some milk and cookies. Kids are bringing a $1 gift to exchange. Adults are bringing up to $5 gift to exchange. Pastor Dave has quite the white elephant gift for you, so it, it was fun shopping yesterday. So come tonight, have some cookies, bring your gift to exchange, and if you don't have a gift, don't worry about it. Come and eat cookies anyway. So that is tonight at 6 o'clock. And this coming Friday, ah, this coming Saturday, this coming Saturday, December 5th is men's at 9 a.m. So men's meeting 9 a.m. Victory Hall. Then on December 12th is women's. Women don't miss the December women's meeting. We've got a super fun craft and a cozy Christmas fellowship time 
make sure that you sign up at the info booth with Miss Susan before you leave because Miss P is catering it. She's cooking for you. So we figured since masks, gloves, sanitary kitchen, that whole nine yards, and it's not a bunch of people cooking, Miss P is going to cook a meal for you, and she's very, very excited to do it. I tried to convince her a hundred ways not to add that work to herself, and she is deciding to cook it for you. So it is a special, special time, and we want to make sure that you're there. So Friday, December 12th at 6.30, the 11th. I'm so sorry, guys. I didn't bring my paper. Friday, December 11th at 6.30 p.m. in Victory Hall, okay? Don't miss out on men's and women's this month. Very, very good. So stay connected. And this is one thing I wanted to talk about real quick is we are having our first membership class that we've had all year. All right. Usually we have one every three months. Our first membership class of 2020 is going to be next Sunday night. Uh, it's going to be from four to seven. And I promise you, it is a fun time. You get three hours with yours truly. And who doesn't want three hours with Pastor Dave? Don't answer that question. All right. All right. So uh, it's going to be uh, from four to seven and uh, it's going to be a, a great time. I'm going to teach you about our church, our church history, what we believe and why it's important that uh, we make a commitment when we decide, hey, I found the church that is my church and I want to make a commitment and say, hey, this is my church. You want to make it official. So that's next Sunday from four to seven. And we've got little breaks in there. It's a really fun time. But the sign up sheet is back there by Cletus on the uh, info booth. Go sign up. And I'll remind you this week if you signed up, but it is really important if you want to become a member that you sign up and you won't regret it. It's a wonderful thing. Who, who all you don't regret being a member of HGWC? I don't regret it. I love it. I'm a member. I go here and it's awesome. All right. And I also want to tell you about two other quick things. We are having a wonderful Christmas service on Sunday, December the 20th. All right. And we got some great things in the works that we'll tell you about soon, but Sunday, December 20th. And of course, one of my favorite days of the entire year on Christmas Eve, we will have our Christmas Eve candlelight service at six o'clock right here in the main sanctuary where we get together. We turn the lights down low. We light our Christmas candles and we sing some songs together. It's a short service, 30 minutes, maybe 45 minutes. And then you get on home to your family and you have a wonderful time. So do not miss out. Amen. All right. Who's excited for some Christmas? Come on. All right. So another big thing happened this week. Another big thing happened this week. And on Friday, it was Pastor and Mrs. Pastor's 38th wedding anniversary. 38 years that mom and dad have been married. And we are so uh, who's excited that they got married 38 years ago? I mean, I'm pretty happy because a few years after that, I came along into the world and it was great. I mean, it's, I've loved it. I've loved every minute of it. So, uh, but I'm really glad that God brought them together. And so today I'm going to have Brother Lawrence come on up, please. And we're going to honor our pastors. We're going to honor my mom and dad, your spiritual mom and dad. Uh, we're going to honor them for Christmas and for their wedding anniversary and for all the great things that they've been in our lives throughout all these years. But we're going to take up a Christmas love offering for them. And I wanted Lawrence to share a few words because they're very special to this guy. This guy, you love them, right? He sure does. All right. 
and he loves me too. All right. So anyway, I'm going to let uh, Lawrence share a few words. Now, if you're giving into the offering for them and you're, you're going to give by a check, that's fine. You just make it out uh, to my dad, Pastor Bernie Samples. Or if you're giving online, you could just put that in which fund? Guest speaker. And the guest speaker fund, and we'll make sure that they get that gift for their Christmas and for their anniversary. We love you. Okay, good morning, everyone. So, so the, the reason why uh, the pastors are special to me, because whoever gets attacked between 9 and 5, nobody ever gets attacked between 9 and 5. It's never a convenient time. And I've, I mean, I don't even know. How long have I been coming here? 12 years? 12 years. And when I came here, I was a mess. My marriage was a mess. My life was a mess. And I remember... When I called on Pastor, he didn't even know me at the time, and he was like, okay, you you obviously are in some need. And every Tuesday for about a year, I met with Pastor. Met, at, met here at the, at the office area, and it helped me. And then later on, when I, th- when I was born again, I thought I had my life together, I still get attacked. But it, like I said, it's not between 9 and 5. I would call and... When Pastor was going through all his health issues, he set aside time for me. So we should honor them because they're a good example. They're a great example. They're a godly example of what a marriage should be. Because even if even if they don't say a word to you, I'm sure at one point in your life, you have spoken to them and they've prayed over you. They've talked to you. They counseled you, spiritually advised you. And... It wasn't a convenient time because, you know, they have lives too. Maybe they're rushing to go meet someone for lunch. But they, they stop and they talk to you because, like, Pastor always tells me, I, I used to feel so guilty calling him up, you know, 7, 8 o'clock at night, and he would say, Lawrence, don't worry about it. You're my job security. Right? I mean, that, that's what they're there for. But we should we should honor them, not, not because it's, oh, okay, we're giving up an offering now. I, I guess I give, should give something. I mean... Give and it'll be given unto you, right? And what better way than to honor our pastors for one, their anniversary, and two, for Christmas coming up. But I wanted to share some verses. You know, when it, when Pastor Dave asked me to do the offering, I was like, I was thinking like, oh man, I'm going to get real deep because I've never been asked to do the the offering for them before for their anniversary or for their birthdays. So I was like, oh man, I'm going to break them out. And I was like, you know what? God just told me, you know what? Keep it simple. And like what Pastor told me just before service, he's like, oh, you know what? Just, just speak from the heart, whatever God tells you to say. And that's exactly what God told me to say last night. Just speak from your heart. And two verses came to mind. Actually, they came to mind this morning. I don't want to lie until I had it all together. But they came to me this morning. And this is Matthew 15, it's Matthew 5, 16 from the Living Bible. I mean, you can turn there if you want to, but we got service, so we got to move it along. Matthew 5, 16. In the Living Bible, don't hide your light. Let it shine for all. Let your good deeds glow for all to see, so that they will praise your heavenly Father. I mean, and that's what they do. They're always letting their light shine. Pastors always telling stories of how like people are just drawn to him for some reason. Strangers on the street, you know, he he tells you all the time where he's not ashamed to pray at a at a restaurant before they eat. That kind of stuff touches me. I don't know about you guys, but it, it touches me. I'm like, well, you know what? If my pastor's not afraid to to pray in, in a restaurant, why should I? 
And the second verse that came to me was Titus 2.7 in the Passion Translation. Above all, set yourself apart as a model of life, a life nobly lived, with dignity, demonstrate integrity, and all that you teach. If that's not our pastors, I don't know who it is. I mean, that, that goes for Pastor Dave and, and Pastor Katie, too. But right now, we're honoring them. You'll get your time later. <laughs> but they they do. They Pastor Dave had it absolutely right. They mean a lot to me. They really do. Because, I mean, there was things that they saw in me before I saw it. And obviously, that was God giving them that wisdom. Because... If it wasn't from God, I'd be like, these guys are crazy. They want me to do what? They want me to start doing this? And because of follow, you know what? And pastor told me once, he said, you know what? I might not always have time to mentor you, Lawrence, but just follow me as I follow Christ. So I was like, oh, that, that's some good advice right there. So obviously they're doing something right because my marriage has been saved. My finances have been saved. My child, who's up in nursery, if I didn't, you know what? Let me just say something real quick. If I didn't hear constantly about the story of Pastor Dave receiving his healing in the hospital, I would have never been prepared for my son being in intensive care. I mean, it's, that's the bottom line. It, like, if I, if, if I want to be blunt with you guys, my little four-year-old who's rolling around upstairs right now, that's the perfect example. He's alive because I followed pastor as he followed Christ. If any of you ever think like, oh my God, is he telling the Pastor Dave story leukemia again? Don't ever think that. Think about, okay, I need to start listening to this story because it's a great testimony. And it's one day it's going to help you or someone else because it saved Eli. It saved Eli. Every single day when, when they're like, okay, well, he's got to start eating. He's got to do this. He's got to do that before he can go home. And every day it was like, okay, well, not today, guys. And I was like, you know what? Well, tomorrow's going to be the day. Tomorrow's going to be the day. And this went on for two weeks. And then a few months later, he had to go back to the hospital. And then a couple years later, he had to go back to the hospital. And then we started just noticing health is consistent. Food allergies are being knocked out. My other son suffered from asthma for the first couple of years of his life. I was constantly going to the emergency room because he would just, his lips would turn blue, he would get a fever, and he couldn't breathe. If I didn't stand under pastor as he followed Christ, he would probably not be the active kid that you see. You may see a little kid that's like, oh my God, why doesn't Ryland just sit down? Well, you know what? Next time you you think that in your head, you're like, why doesn't Ryland just sit down? Just be like, praise God, Ryland's running around and not wheezing. That's what I do. When I see that kid running up and down the soccer field, which in Jesus' name, we're going to play soccer again next year. But when I see him running up and down that soccer field, I was like, dang, this is a far cry from when he was in the emergency room with me getting his breathing treatments because he could hardly breathe. Now this kid won't sit still. But... All that to say this, our pastors should be honored. And you know, you give what God tells you to give, but honor them, honor them. And if you can't do it tonight, today, do it tonight. If you can't do it tonight or today, do it online. 
but you should give them some honor. And it's not about the money. It's about showing some respect and some gratitude in a monetary way. Because I am completely, completely thankful for them, as you guys should be too. So, I mean, that's it. Pastor David. All right, thank you so much. And I love to hear the stories of what the Word of God being preached has done in people's lives. And that's a golden example right there of what's going on, all right? And so I'm going to have Pastor come on up, but let's go ahead. I want to give a great round of applause for our pastors. Let's show them that we appreciate them. Come on. Amen. The Word of Faith message that has been taught right here at this church is saving lives and has saved lives, but praise God, we are grateful for our pastors. Amen. We love them, all right? He's going to take up the Sunday morning tithes and offerings. If you need an envelope, the ushers have one in the buckets there. They'll get one for you. Amen? Wow. I'll tell you what, that's... I, <laughs> we didn't know he was going to do this, so thank you, thank you, thank you, Lawrence, for all the all the good words. You know, we do what we're called to do. You all do what you're called to do. And when you're obeying God, it's just like breathing. You don't think about breathing, you breathe. And, you know, anything else we do in life, but when you're called a pastor, you don't think about all those things somebody's saying. You think, who are they talking about? Met that guy for a year? Must have been a short year, because I don't remember much of it. I thought it was two or three times, but you don't think about it. You know, when you're following God, you help people. It's just what you do, but praise God for that. Have you already got envelopes and everything you need? Well, I'm going to help you for just a minute then with your faith about your money like that so you're, so you're always blessed. Look at Isaiah 48, 17. I'm going to show you two verses and how they've worked in our life. Isaiah 48, 17. I'll give you time to get there. Help me know your Bible is God's textbook for your life. You know... Uh, when I look at this verse right here, I always think about going to school with the Holy Ghost and use the book for that class. Isaiah 48, 17 says, Thus saith the Lord, thy Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord thy God, which teacheth thee how to go broke. No. God says that he's the one that teaches us to profit. Which leads us by the way that we should go. God will lead us into prosperity in life. I was thinking about, uh, last night, Mrs. Pastor and I were just sitting at our table eating and just looking out the window. Man, I caught some giant bass this week. I'd be right out my lake, just walk, step out my door and catch great big giant fish. Then walk around the orchard and get fresh pistachios and watch what she's doing. And Mrs. Pastor said something about, man, I never dreamed we'd ever give this much for a place. And I said, I didn't either. But it's paid to serve God, do what he wants us to do. We almost paid cash for that place, and it would probably cost, man, three or four or five times more than any place we ever bought before, but we just about paid cash for it because God's the one that blesses us. He taught us to profit. He leads us by the way we should go. And I told Mrs. Pastor, I said, you know what? We both knew the first time we drove up and saw this place from the outside, that's our place. We're going to get that. And we got it. You know what? I told her, I said, you know what? The guy didn't hardly budge anyway of anything at all about 
what he wanted for it, but was able to pay for it. Because that's what God wanted us to have. But God said, I'll teach you to profit. And of course we know from God's textbook, if you're a serious follower of the Bible, of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you know one of the very first things God is going to speak to your heart about is about tithing. And I'm not going into the tithing verses right now, but Malachi is the main one we look at. God said, bring you all your tithes, 10% of what you make into my storehouse. He said, I'll open the windows of heaven and pour my blessing upon you. He said, I'll rebuke the devil for your sake and all those things. And, you know, it's really beyond my comprehension how any Christian has the Holy Spirit in them, could hear those verses and ever, ever, ever want to cheat God out of the tithe. Because you cheat God out of the tithe, you're cheating yourself out of the blessing of God on your life. Amen? And so I want to look at one more place. Go to Hebrews. One more place to look at. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 2. And I want you to see this because get the blessings of tithing, as God said, I'll teach you how to profit, is more than just tithing. you got to do something else besides tithe to get the blessing of tithing. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 2. And once again, I'm looking at God's textbook, and I really love what Lawrence said. Follow me as I follow Christ. That's not just something we made up. That's what Paul told the people that followed him. And then it's in the Bible. And that word follow means be imitators of. Actually, it comes from a Greek word that means mimic, which is what the, what the you ever heard of a minor bird? You ever seen a minor bird? Well, minor is minor bird. It mimics what you say. It sounds like a tape recorder. If you ever seen a parrot, a parrot will talk and it sounds like, like a person's voice talking that it heard talking. Well, that means that's what God said. He said, be imitators of those who God has set over you. Follow us as we follow Christ. And so the things I'm teaching is what we've done all of our Christian life. And that's why we have the blessing of God in our life like we have it. And so not only do you tithe, but then verse 2 of Hebrews 4 says, but unto us was the gospel priest as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them. Think about that. The Bible says that sometimes you can sit under preaching and preaching and preaching, but it doesn't help in you. Well, that's a strange thing, isn't it? The word preached and not profited. Why? Not being mixed with faith. Not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. How many know that a lost person can sit and hear the gospel preached that Jesus Christ is real Heaven's real, heaven's real, and hell's real, and you have to receive Jesus if you want to go to heaven. Well, you could have a church full of lost people that need to know that, and then you could have two or three people says, I believe that, and they get their names written in the Lamb's Book of Life, and the rest of them sit there and say, I heard that, but I'm not going to mix faith with it. So it didn't profit them. And so when you hear about tithing, and you're actually a tither, You still don't get the benefits till you mix faith with it. How do you mix faith with it? You hear the word, you speak the word, you act on the word. So every week when we bring those tithes up here to the altar, we always tell you, when you come up here, be making faith confessions. Make your profession of faith as you're coming up. And then when you go through the test of life during the course of the week, start having problems, you're getting hit, just raise your hands to heaven during the week when something's attacked and say, Lord, I want to thank you. I'm a tither.
And you said you rebuked the devourer from me. I'm under the open windows of heaven. Did you say, Satan, take your hands off my money. Take your hands off my stuff. I belong to Jesus. I'm a faithful tither. And devourer, you've been rebuked by God. And I'm blessed. And so that's how you mix faith with your tithing. You pray over it. When you bring it to God's altar, you speak blessings over it. You thank the Lord for how he's blessed you. And then during the course of the week of your life, when things start trying to happen, open your mouth. Faith is released in the words you speak. Amen? Amen. So God said, I'll teach you to profit. That is how it works. Well, let's make our financial faith confession. And let, let, let's, as we say these words, let's believe that they're coming to pass in our lives. If you want to, stand up. And we'll make this confession together. Then worship God for your tithes and offerings as we bring them up. <clears throat> as we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth in business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all my financial needs so I have more than enough to take good care of my family, to give justice into the kingdom of God. For both the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. Let's sing together. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. Let heart prepare him room and heaven and nature sing and heaven and nature sing and heaven and heaven and nature sing joy to the world the Savior reigns men their song sounding joy, repeat the sounding joy, repeat, repeat the sounding joy. He rules the world with truth and grace, and makes the nations prove the glory of his righteousness and wonders of his love and wonders of his love and wonders and wonders of his love and wonders and wonders of his love Let's put our hands together and sing this one. The king of all creation set aside his crown. A servant to the father's love 
descended from his throne above, author of salvation, the giver of new life. Crucified to pay for sin, our righteousness is in the name of Jesus. Every heart and tongue confess your name above all names, all things of this earth belong to you forever. You God of resurrection, conqueror of death, a ruler over everything, the Lord of lords and King of kings is Jesus. Every heart and tongue confess your name above all names, all things. Of this earth belong to you forever. You will reign. Let's sing God of Resurrection. God of Resurrection. Conqueror of death, a ruler over everything, the Lord of lords and King of kings is Jesus. Every heart and tongue confess your name above all names, all things of this earth. Belong to you forever. You will reign. Let's sing highly exalted. Highly exalted is the name of Jesus Christ. Heaven and earth declare all praise to Jesus Christ. Highly exalted is the name. Of Jesus Christ, heaven and earth declare all praise to Jesus. Every heart and tongue confess your name above all names. All things of this earth belong to you forever. You will reign. More time, let's sing highly exalted. Highly exalted is the name of Jesus Christ. Heaven and earth declare all praise to Jesus Christ. Highly exalted is the name of Jesus Christ. 
Heaven and earth declare all praise. Put your hands together to her. Jesus. Every heart and tongue confess your name above all names. All things of this earth belong to you forever. You will reign. And Jesus, every heart and tongue confess your name above all names. All things of this earth belong to you forever. You will reign. falls it won't prevail because the God I serve knows only how to triumph my God will never fail no my God will never fail I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. There's power in the name of Jesus. There's power in the mighty name of Jesus. Every war he wages, he will win. And I'm not backing down from any giant. I know how this story ends. Yes, I know how this story ends. I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm gonna see a victory. 
I'm gonna see a victory for the battle belongs to you, Lord. Let's sing there's power in the name of Jesus. There's power in the mighty name of Jesus. And every war he wages, he will win. I'm not backing down from any giant. I know how this story ends. Yes, I know how this story ends. And I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. No matter what the enemy has planned for us, the Lord always works it out for our good. So let's sing that together. You take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good. You turn it for good. You take what the enemy meant for evil And you turn it for good You turn it for good You take what the enemy meant for evil And you turn it for good You turn it for good You take what the enemy meant for evil And you turn it for good You turn it for good You take what the enemy meant for evil And you turn it for good You turn it for good You take what the enemy meant for evil And you turn it for good You turn it for good And I'm gonna see a victory I'm gonna see a victory For the battle belongs to you, Lord I'm gonna see a victory I'm going to see a victory, for the battle belongs to you, Lord. And I'm going to see a victory, 
I'm going to see a victory for the battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see a victory for the battle belongs to you, Lord. You take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good. You turn it for good. You take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good. You turn it for good. Let's raise our hands and sing. I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. And I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. Amen. Let's raise our hands for a minute this morning because I'm telling you right now, whatever it is you're facing, whatever it is you're going through, if you're giving the battle to the Lord, you are going to see a victory. Amen. When David faced that giant, when David faced Goliath, Goliath was saying, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to massacre you. I'm going to feed you to the birds. I'm going to murder you, kid. And David said, you're coming at me with swords and spears and armies. I don't care about that. I'm coming to you in the name of the Lord. The battle is the Lord's. Amen. And if the battle's the Lord's, you got a 100% chance of victory. Now, if you're keeping the battle in your hands, then good luck. I don't know what your chances are. But if it's in the Lord's hands, if the battle belongs to the Lord, you've got no chance but to win every single time. And so I'm encouraging us today, when we sing these songs, when we speak these words, that's not just something I'm singing. That's not just some words. That is the word of God. The battle belongs to the Lord. And I guarantee a victory in your life. And I'm not afraid to say it. I guarantee a victory if you're doing it in the name of the Lord. And if the battle truly is the Lord's. Somebody should shout for Jesus this morning that you're going to win. Amen. If God is for you, who can be against you? You were born at the right time. You're at the right place at the right time. And you are going to win. Amen. Let's give the Lord one more shout of praise before we sit down. Hallelujah. We thank you, Jesus, that the victory is ours because of you. Amen. Well, you can go ahead and make your way to your seats there. Hallelujah. Who is glad to be in the house of the Lord on a Sunday morning? Amen. Wow. You know, I, I, I've, I've won some things and I've lost some things. And let me tell you this. Winning is better. Winning is better. I've been sick and I've been healthy. Healthy is better. I've been poor and I've had money. Having some money is better than being poor. And I'm, that's what Jesus wants for us. He said, I've set before you today life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life. The choice is yours. 
choose Jesus or choose your own way. He gives you the choice, but I made my choice a long time ago. I don't like being sick. I don't like being poor. I don't like being depressed. I don't like being a loser. I like being a victor in the name of Jesus. And so I chose a long time ago. I choose life. I choose life every single time. Amen. Well, as you can see, we take Christmas pretty seriously at High Desert Word Center. We don't play around. It's not just some cute time of year. Christmas is a big deal to us. Why? Because if Jesus had never been born, I'd be in a whole lot of trouble. If Jesus had never came to the earth, if you think things are bad, what you know, in different areas of life right now, you have no idea how bad it would be if we didn't have a savior to call upon. Christmas is a really big deal because Jesus Christ came to this earth. And so we're starting a series over the next few weeks leading up to Christmas called Emmanuel, God is with us. Well, where'd you think up with that clever title? I got that out of the word of God in several spots, but Emmanuel, God is with us. And so I'm going to ask for a little help. I'm going to ask for a little participation over the next few weeks. When I say Emmanuel, you say God is with us. Does that sound hard? Can we do that? All right. So let's try this. Emmanuel. Emmanuel. That just feels good on the inside, right? Because if you're a born-again Christian, if you're a child of God and you say that, that means something because you really do know, man, God is with us. Now, we've been through a lot this year. You've been through a lot in your life, all right? I know your stories. I know you people. I know where you came from. I know that it hasn't always been easy-peasy, that you have fought some battles, you have Made it through some storms in your life. I'm well aware of that. And as I look back on every single thing that I have been through and faced, I can definitely say, Emmanuel, God was with me every step of the way. I did not fight that giant alone. I did not cross that stormy sea all by myself. Emmanuel, God was with me every step of the way. And as I look back over 2020 and every year before that, I can say with full confidence that God kept his word to me. He did not leave me for one single second of any of it. He was with me the entire time, and he is with me right now. And so in Isaiah chapter 7, I'm not flipping there, but here's where we see uh, well, let's just go ahead and do it. This won't be on the screen. Isaiah chapter 7. Isaiah prophesies, okay, that Israel's in a whole heap of trouble. The whole world's in a whole heap of trouble. And he says, there is going to come a day where a Savior, a Messiah, is going to be born. He will be born to a young girl that's a virgin. I mean, in that right there, we're familiar with the Christmas story. But again, this is an absolute miracle because that's impossible. And so Isaiah says, hold on, Israel, your savior will come someday, but you won't see it coming. He's going to be born to a virgin young girl. And, and here, look at this, Isaiah chapter seven and verse 14. He says, all right, then the Lord himself will give you the sign. Look the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. 
Now, this was like a thousand years before Jesus was ever even born into this world. And so Isaiah nails it on the head. Now, what I want you to do is flip forward to Matthew chapter one. And this is Matthew one and Luke two are are the two best spots where you're going to get the most information on the Christmas story. But we're going to look here at Matthew chapter one. And this is a, this is a beautiful moment when, when Joseph finds out that, uh, his fiance is pregnant. Now we're excited about it, but, uh, Joseph's not super excited because they've never had a relationship yet. All right. And so, I mean, I don't know if, if I was engaged and, and my wife or my, you know, my fiance came and said, Hey, I'm pregnant. Well, doing the math here, how's that possible? Because I know it's not for me. And, you know, that would probably send you through the roof. But look at this, Matthew chapter 1, and we're going to start here at verse 18. Matthew chapter 1, and we're going to look at verses 18 through 23. It says, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's exactly what Isaiah said was going to happen. Joseph, her fiance, was a good man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. He was going to dump her. He was going to break up with her. He was going to end it. But simply because he was a good man, he was at least going to do it quietly and not put it all over Facebook. That's a word for somebody listening somewhere right now. Keep your business to yourself, man. We don't care. We don't, I mean, we love you, but we don't want to hear that mess. Stop it. So t- follow Joseph's example. Do it. Keep your business to yourself. And so he's going to do it quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David. Now, Joseph was a descendant of King David. And the amazing thing about Jesus Christ's lineage is that it was prophesied he would come down and, and, and be born of the family of David. And so Joseph, his stepfather, was a descendant of David. And Mary herself was also a descendant of David. Jesus was definitely a descendant of David, just like was prophesied. And so the angel says, Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Is there anybody in here that Jesus came and saved you from your sins? Ah, oh, man, I love Jesus so much. I can hardly stand it. I love Jesus. He saved me from my sins. And all of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Here it is. Verse 23. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Emmanuel. Emmanuel, God is with us. And that is one of the most beautiful things that I can ever remind myself of is that there is not one minute of my life that I am alone. And it's not because I've got four kids. That's part of it. I'm never alone. But at the same time, on top of that, I'm never alone because God is 
with me. And I love him for that. And so how is God with us? Well, I mean, as I was studying for this, there's an endless list of things I could say how God is with us. Now, in one sense, all right, I'm not teaching on this today. In one sense, one application is that when Jesus was born, God literally came to the earth and lived as a human being. And so, yes, Emmanuel, God was actually with the human race. God was with mankind. This is called the incarnation. This is when God himself came to earth to become one of us. So Jesus flowing through his veins is 100% God and 100% man. And the book of Hebrews says that Jesus was such a human being like we are that he faced all of the same temptations and troubles that we did. Jesus can relate to what you're going through. And that's one of the great things about Jesus coming to this earth. He's not just some far off deity. He's not just some far off being that, you know, well, those guys, I feel bad for them, but I can't relate. Jesus can relate. He faced everything that you face. He faced family trouble. Do you know that? Jesus old or younger, excuse me, he has no older siblings. He's the firstborn. You, you know, you figure that out on your own, but he has younger siblings and they were mean to him. They were trash talking him. Jesus siblings, they didn't believe in him until later on. And so Jesus faced all of these troubles that we face. He can relate to what you're going through. So he was a full person, but thank God he was 100% God too. And he could do the miracles. He can save us. He can heal us. He can deliver us. Emmanuel. Okay, we're going to practice that as we go. All right, I'm, I'm going to need a little more. You're at about a four. I need you at about a ten. We're going to get there. We will get there, all right? And so, anyway, I'm going to pray real quick, and then I want to study two things today. And I want you to listen, because I believe that Jesus is trying to speak to you today at the beginning of this Christmas season. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, so much for your holy written word that we can study the Bible and you can speak to us in a great big way right now in 2020. And God, I pray in the name of Jesus that as we open our hearts, open our minds to you today, you are speaking to us and we ask you to absolutely have your way in this service in the name of Jesus. Can somebody say amen? And so I'm asking this, how is God with us? Number one, he is our shepherd. Okay, that's fun. That's cool. Well, you say it that way because you don't know much about a shepherd, but I'm going to teach you a little bit about a shepherd today. So how is God with us? He is our shepherd. Now, in our modern day world, I get this, that we don't know a whole lot about being a shepherd. We don't really even live in a farming area of any kind. We got a little bit, you know, out here on some of the outskirts, but... In the Bible times, they were very familiar with what a shepherd was. In fact, the Bible mentions shepherds over 200 times. And think about it. The very first people that knew that the Messiah had been born were a bunch of shepherds out in the fields, right? They were out there and the angel appears and says, glory to God in the highest, peace on earth, goodwill towards men. And he tells these guys that the Messiah, the Savior has been born. And so Jesus and shepherds, they go way back and in fact, I'm going to show you in a minute what Jesus said about being a shepherd. But let's look at Psalm 23. Can we turn there? Psalm 23, one of the most 
famous chapters of the entire Bible. I mean, this is top five. People know Psalm 23. Uh, uh, nearly everybody is familiar with Psalm 23. And so I'm going to look at this in the King James today. Psalm 23. And I'm going to look here at verse one, starting off. Now, this is David writing it. And who knows what David's occupation was before he was a king? He was a shepherd, right? And so David is obviously very familiar with being a shepherd. And so Psalm 23, verse 1, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Now, I love that. Now, but 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 it's phrased a little bit different than how we would say it. The New Living Translation, mainly throw that up there, very similar. The Lord is my shepherd, I have all that I need. Now, the King James says, I shall not want, all right? And and the modern way to say that is, I have all that I need. And I think about that. Really, stop and think about that. If the Lord is your shepherd, what else do you need? I mean, what a beautiful verse. This basically sums it all up right there. The Lord is my shepherd. I've got everything I need right there because he provides for me. He protects me. He loves me. He's there for me. What else could I possibly need? The Lord is my shepherd. I've got everything I need. You ever try to, you know, you're asking people what they want for Christmas. And there's some people that I don't know. I I, I don't know what I want. I, and, and, and they, I mean, there's some people that are just flat out hard to buy for, right? Because they have all they need. And I'm telling you right now, spiritually speaking, the Lord is my shepherd. I've got everything I need right there. He is my everything. I love this verse. And so think about King David sitting there writing this as a young shepherd boy. He's like, you know what, guys? I am a shepherd to these sheep, but the Lord is my shepherd. This shepherd has a shepherd of his own, and I've got every possible thing that I need. What could I possibly want for in this life? Because I've got the Lord. Now, David was saying this, but let me look at these next couple verses here. Look at verses 2 through 6. You ought to know the 23rd Psalm. You ought to be super familiar with Psalm 23 as a Christian, but that's between you and God. Look at verse 2. David says, he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, Emmanuel, God with us. Come on. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Well, is the glass half empty or half full? The glass is running over, baby. Come on. Think about that. The Lord is my shepherd. I've got everything I need. I don't have to like, well, is it half full? Is it half? What is it? It is running over when you've got the Lord as your shepherd. Verse six, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's some beautiful stuff to me right there. 
Jesus is everything that I could possibly need. Not one of those verses says he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. That's some boldness right there. You may be surrounded by enemies on all sides. And here comes Jesus and lays out a beautiful meal for you. He lays out a full table and they are, they're around you. They want to get to you. I'm sharing a meal with Jesus. He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He protects me on every single side. I will not fear any evil because he is with me. And so if you can't tell, I'm a Psalm 23 kind of guy. You know, I try to use my imagination a lot. And you know, you're like, hey, you're 35, get over it. Quit imagining things and get into the real world. I don't like the real world. I, I like, I like to focus on Jesus, alright? And so, the 23rd Psalm, man, I read that and some people are like, well, that was cool. I picture this, man, that I am in the green pastures beside the still waters. And people watch us, people watch us Christians and like, man, they have no idea. They, it's like they don't even know what's going on around them. It's like they don't even care. And I say, yeah, I don't care. I cast all my cares upon him because he cares for me. I've got caution. I, 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 I'm, 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 uh, I know what's going on in this world, but to sit there and say that cares keep me awake at night, I cannot lie to you and say that that's the truth because that's a lie. They don't. I am with the Lord. I am in the green pastures beside the still waters. He restores my soul. What's your soul? Anybody know? It's your mind, your will, and your emotions. He restores my soul. He gives me, you know, whenever my emotions are jacked up, whenever I don't have the will to go on, whenever these type of things, whenever my mind is playing games, I go with Jesus. My shepherd, he restores my soul. You've got a beautiful gift in having the Lord as your shepherd. Other people want it. They wonder what you've got. You've got a shepherd. You've got a savior. You've got Emmanuel. You've got a God that is with you. And they wonder why you're not losing sleep over stuff right now. It's because he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He restores my soul. And so I want you to see, all right, what Jesus said in the New Testament, all right? And so we're going to flip over to John chapter 10. This was David in the Old Testament saying, hey, this shepherd needs a shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I've got everything I need. But look at this in John chapter 10, and and, and we're going to see some stuff here. And so we just saw a little bit of the Old Testament, but in the Old Testament, all right, check this out. God Almighty, Yahweh, God Almighty, referred to himself as I am. And you guys, I've taught on this. Maybe you've read some of this out. But Moses, God says, hey, you need to go to Pharaoh and tell him to let my people go. We've had enough of this. And so Moses is like, well, okay, I'll go. But who do I even say sent me? And God says, I am. Okay. God says, tell him that I am sent you and to let my people go. Well, that's kind of an obscure thing to say, right? I mean, imagine that uh, somebody says, hey, what's your name? I am. Okay, that's nice. But what's your name? I am. All right. What? Well, yeah, I, okay. Yeah, sure. But, but, but what's your name? 
I am. That doesn't make any sense, right? And because all of God's ways are just a little bit beyond our understanding, and I love that about God, because if he was so small that I could understand him, then he wouldn't be that big. But God is so big that I will admit, I don't understand everything about him, and I love that about God. And so God says, I am is my name. Well, what does that mean? That means that God is everything that you could ever possibly need. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. If you are sick and you need healing, the shepherd says, I am the healer. If you're just so depressed that you can't take it anymore, he says, good news for you. I am the joy that you're looking for. I am the peace that you've been seeking. I am everything that you could possibly ever need. And so the Hebrew people are very familiar with this term, I am. They've been hearing it their whole lives. And here Jesus Christ shows up in the New Testament. And in the book of John, on seven different occasions, he uses this phrase, I am. And then he'll say something. I am the light of the world. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the bread of life. He says all these different things and, 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 and people are like, whoa, I am? Wait, wait, wait a minute. You're saying I, you are, I am? And some people are, it's starting to click a little bit, but look at this. We're going to look here at John chapter 10. And this is the fourth time in the book of John that Jesus utters this phrase. John 10, verse 11, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him and he is not their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away because he's working only for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep. And so Jesus talks to a group of people that are familiar with shepherds and sheep and all that. And he says, listen, guys, okay, there's shepherds out there, but I am, I am the good shepherd or I am the best shepherd. Because some people... When trouble comes, they may have said, hey, I love you. I'll be there for you. I've got your back. But when trouble comes, they scatter and they don't protect you like they said they would. Because they aren't really a shepherd. They, they don't really have the heart for you that they said that they had. But right here, Jesus says, no, I know there's different shepherds out there, but I am the good shepherd and I will not run when trouble comes. I will stick with you. And a good shepherd is a wonderful protector of the sheep. A good shepherd will stay there and fight to the death for you. And Jesus went to the cross, the good shepherd, and fought to the bloody death for you. When trouble came, he didn't split and say, oh my gosh, he ran in and saved you in the nick of time. He is the Good shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. What else do I need? I love Jesus. Is anybody with me? I mean, you know, you're not just saying it because you're in church, but you could, if you were to be, you could just stop and say, my gosh, I love Jesus. 
He gave me a shot. He gave me a chance. He didn't give up on me. He was there for me in my lowest moment. Jesus was there when nobody else was. Trouble came and they all scattered, but Jesus stuck with me right when I needed it the most. I love Jesus and I am so grateful that he voluntarily came to this earth and decided to become one of us. Jesus does not run when trouble comes. Why? Because God is with us and the Lord is our shepherd. And now's the second thing I want to say is this. Number two, how do we know that, that he's with us? Number two, he is the gate. What? The gate? What in the world does that mean? Well, as I said, Jesus on seven times in the book of John said, I am. Now, one of those times, the third time that he said it, he said, hey, guys, I am the gate. Or some translations say the door. I am the gate. I am the door. Now, this is a I mean, I've, I've read this all my life. And honestly, I'm like, well, that that sounds neat. But I didn't always fully understand what it meant for Jesus to say, I am the gate. Now, if you don't understand that, I mean, that just flies right over your head. So I want to explain a few things about Jesus being the gate. We're going to backtrack a couple of verses. And I promise you, when you see the picture that we're painting, you're going to say, I get it now. John chapter 10 and verse 7. Here is the third time that Jesus said, I am. John 10 verse 7. Jesus said, I tell you the truth. I am the gate for the sheep. Do we have any sheep in here? Sheep, all right. Now, if we're the sheep, we've got to have a shepherd, and Jesus is that shepherd, as we saw. But this, honestly, is one of the more interesting great I am statements that Jesus said. And and again, this one just, some of them I, I can look at, and Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. I'm like, oh, totally. I absolutely get that. You don't even need to explain that. I get it. But this one, I want to, I want to backtrack a little bit, even more. John 10 and verse one, we're going to read the entire story of what brought Jesus to the point of saying, I am the gate. John chapter 10 and verse one, check this out. Jesus says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber. Okay, but the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Is there anybody in here where the shepherd calls your name and you know his voice? Some people aren't feeling that some people and I talk to Christians and they say, well, you know, I just, I just don't know if I can hear the voice of God. And, 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 and listen, as a child of God, as a Christian, as a sheep, which you all just said you were, you need to recognize the voice of God. And when he speaks, we have got to be able to listen. He speaks to us in our hearts. He speaks to us through the Bible. He speaks to us at church. He'll speak to us wherever he needs to speak to us at. But Jesus said, the sheep know the voice of the shepherd. You need to know the voice of your shepherd. No doubt about it. 
And so look at this. Verse 4. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them and they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They'll run from him because they don't know his voice. And so a word of advice for us in the end times, which I firmly believe it is. Don't just go following every voice that you hear out there. You need to follow the voice of the shepherd because there's some big bad wolves out there that would love to come and lead you astray. In fact, Jesus even said this in Matthew 24. He said that some will come in my name and say, I am the Messiah and people will follow that. If possible, even the very elect will be deceived and people will just be chasing all these, you know, grasping for anything that they can get a hold of. Well, this guy says he's got answers and this guy says he knows this and this guy says he heard that and even born again Christians will be chasing things looking for answers. I don't need to chase things. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. All the days of my life, I don't have to go chasing it down. It chases me down because the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I've got everything that I need right there. And so he said, no, 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 no. They won't follow a stranger. They'll run from him because they don't know his voice. If somebody comes up and says they've got some stupid revelation for you and it is not found in the word of God, run. Run from the stranger. Run. Run, run, run. You cannot afford any of that baloney in this day and age. You stick with the word of God. I'm telling you right now. So those who heard Jesus use this illustration, they didn't understand what he meant. What does he mean by all this? So he explained it to them. I tell you the truth. I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me were thieves and robbers, but the true sheep did not listen to them. Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and will find good pastures. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life, or as the King James says, life and life more abundantly. So there is a thief out there, and Jesus says, I am here to protect you from that Thief. So what does all this gate mean? What does this door business mean? Well, I can tell you this. A gate or a door is the proper way into the house. Hear me out on this. That's the right way into the house right there. Now, whether they will admit it or not, the rest of the watching world wants what you have. If you're doing the Christianity thing right, they want what you have. They do. I mean, and, and you'll see it, and I can prove it. They start atheist churches. There are atheist churches all over the world right now because it has been proven time and time again by major universities. I don't even have to go into all this, that Christians that actually go to church on average live longer lives. It's proven. I'm not even speculating. It's been proven time and time again. I think it's Vanderbilt University proved that fact that Christians on average that actually go to church every week live on average seven or eight years longer or something like that. And it's been proven that Christian couples that actually go to church together, they're the, the divorce rate. I've said this a thousand times. Harvard University studied this out. The divorce rate's like 
10% or something, and the rest of the world, it's over 50%. If you are really living for God, the rest of the world sees what you have, whether they will ever admit it to you or not, they want what you have. I think about it this way. Anybody seen a great, you know, great, 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 great. This is a deep, deep illustration. Have you seen Home Alone 1? One. Side note. As a member of HGWC, you are allowed to watch Home Alone 1 and 2. You are not allowed to watch 3 through 12 or whatever they're on right now. Those are trash. They're garbage. 1 and 2. I'm joking. It's not really a membership requirement, but we ought to make it one. Home Alone 1 and 2, okay? And so, in Home Alone 1, Kevin's left at home, right? And so, he wants the thieves and the robbers to think that he's not there alone. So what does he do? He stages this party, right? He's got a, a cutout of Michael Jordan on a train. He's going around, and he's got, you know, mannequin. And, and, and the thieves and the robbers are on the outside looking in, saying, man, we want what's in there. We want that. And I'm telling you right now, there are people in your life, in your world, that are on the outside looking in, saying, man... Looks like he's having a good time. It looks like they're doing really, really good. I want what they have. Well, to get what we have, you've got to go through the door. You can't come in the back way. You can't climb over the wall. If you're trying to sneak in, you must surely be a thief and a robber. Jesus said, I am the gate. Come through me and you can have this. But there's people, they want what you have, but they don't want to get it the way that you got it by simply calling upon the name of the Lord and being saved. They want to get it their own way. So they'll try to tunnel in. They'll try to get over the wall. They'll try to do anything they can do to get what you have. But there's only one way. Jesus on one of the other I am occasions said, I am the way, the truth, the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. If you want to get to Jesus, you've got to go the proper way. You cannot try to get in on your own way. It's messed up to try to get in the wrong way. Think about it this way. What if you pull up to your house and you see somebody, it's nighttime, and you see your your neighbor's window open and somebody crawling through the window? That's not the proper way. Gee, I wonder if Bob's door's broken or something like that. I, I, I What's going on over there? Or would you say, hmm, It's nighttime. Somebody's crawling through my neighbor's window. That must surely be a thief and a robber because that's messed up. People don't do that to get into their own house. Well, maybe you've locked your keys out or, or, uh, uh, so he's the door. He's the gate. How many of you guys go through the door when you go home? There are literally people in this room. Alex does not go through. How do you get in? What do you do? I, I can, I can joke with Alex all day long, but you know, some people I defend. But, but I mean, how, what do you do? Do you like burrow a hole, hole through the roof or what? Listen, there's a right way. You gotta go through the door, the proper way. Well, if you've got a gate, what do you do when you get there? You toss the grocery bags over the gate and then crawl over yourself? No, I'm allowed to be there, so I go the right way through the door. Anybody else doing it any other way, I suspect is a thief and a robber, as Jesus said in John 10, verse 1, and anybody else trying to get in to the family of God, trying to get into the kingdom, trying to get the same blessings that you enjoy as a member of the family, if they're not going through the door, they're just some sort of backwards, messed up something, and they are not going to get what you have. There's only one way to get the joy that I have. There's only one way to get the peace that I've got. 
you gotta go through the door, just like the rest of us did. Now, the, 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 the primary purpose of a gate and a door is to keep thieves and robbers out, right? I mean, you know, hey, I, I, I like my front door. We just paid a bunch of money for a nice brand new front door when we redid our house. It's a great door, but I'm not really attached to that door so much. I mainly have it there so thieves and robbers won't come in. I mainly have it so unwanted things will not come in to my house. That's the primary purpose is to keep those things out. Now, what did Jesus say in John 10 verse 10? I don't like to like point things out, but I'm going to be honest. This side of the room was not very strong on that. So I'm going to, if you've gone to church here more than six months, you know, John 10, 10, we say that every time we preach, whether it's me or somebody else. Now you guys shouldn't be too proud of yourselves either. That was very weak. The middle section, you did all right, but you do have pastors on the front row. So what does John 10 verse 10 say? Okay, all right. <laughs> we will give you a passing grade, but you had to look at the book, all right? So you got to know this. Jesus said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Well, how is he going to try to do that? He's not going to try to just absolutely, you know, knock, knock, come. He's going to try to sneak into your life. He's going to try to come over the wall. He's going to try to dig a tunnel. He's going to try to do some backwards way to get into your life and steal kill and destroy. So remember a minute ago, we, we saw right here that Jesus was telling him all this stuff. And it says the people were confused that they didn't understand what he was talking about. Does anybody remember that? It was 10 minutes ago. All right. And so Jesus is saying, you know, hey, the, 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 there's a wolf. He comes and he scatters the flock and all this. And the people are like, ah, I'm not following what you're what you're saying right there, Jesus. And so Jesus utters these words. OK, you don't get it that. I am the gate. I am the gate. And then all of a sudden, the people got it. All he had to do was say, I am the, I'm the gate. I'm the gate that the thief would have to get through. And all of a sudden, it clicked with all these people. Why would it click? Well, after studying this out a little bit, I learned that in biblical times, shepherds with flocks of sheep, way out on the in the meadows and in the pastures, they would build these great big circular walls, circular perimeters with stones, and they would herd the sheep in there. And they could they make these things pretty high, and 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 they herd all the sheep in there. But instead of making it fully closed, they'd leave a little bit of an opening in the front for the sheep to get in and out of. Now, shepherds are fierce protectors that will fight to the death for their sheep. The shepherd wouldn't create a gate right there. He himself at nighttime would sleep and lay down there in front of that gate. He himself would become the gate himself. If any predators, any wolves, any thieves, any robbers wanted to come and get to those sheep, he would literally have to get through the shepherd himself. And that shepherd would fight to the death. Now, Jesus says, oh, there's a thief out there. He's coming to steal, kill, and destroy. But I am the gate. He's going to have to get through me. 
If he wanted to get, if he wants to get to the sheep, if he wants to get to you guys and steal you, kill you, destroy you, wreck your lives apart, I am the gate. He will have to get through me so long as you stay where you're supposed to stay. So long as you will stay with the rest of the sheepfold, he will not get you. I will guard you with my life. And as I read that, as Jesus says, I'm the gate, I'm the door. It makes a whole lot more sense to, I feel a lot more secure than I've ever felt in my life right now because I am sticking close to Jesus. Now there's some, you know, well, what happened to that guy? I can't speak for everybody. Sometimes the sheep run off, don't they? They get out of the, they get out of the sheep pen and they run off and do their own thing. And, and then sometimes the wolf comes, the thief comes and, and steals and kills and destroys. But it's not because Jesus didn't care. And it's not because Jesus is a failure as a shepherd. So I'm the gate. I will guard you with everything that I have. I would lay down my life for you. The good shepherd will lay down his life for his sheep. And Jesus didn't just say that. He actually did it. He came and he laid down his life for the sheep. Do you think Jesus is a good shepherd? You think he's the best shepherd? Do you think he's the gate that is protecting you with everything that he's got? Well, I can tell you right now, if we've got this confidence, if we've got this, this assurance, this trust that Jesus isn't just saying stuff and blowing smoke, so to speak, then we have absolutely nothing to fear. I'm confident. I'm secure. I'm very secure that no matter what comes my way in 2020, 2021 and beyond, that I'm sticking close to Jesus. Psalm 91 says uh, that, that those that abide under the shadow of the Almighty, that God's going to protect you. It is more important than it's ever been in your entire life that you stick close to Jesus. Don't you go wandering out there. Thank God he'll leave the 99 to chase the one down. Thank God for it. But I hope someone doesn't pick me off while I'm out there wandering around before he gets to me. He'll do it. He'll leave the 99 and chase that one down, and and that's a beautiful thing, and I love that he does that, but I'm not even going to give the devil a chance to pick me off, kick me off the edge of the cliff before Jesus gets to me. So listen, it is imperative in our lives right now that we stay within that sheepfold and let Jesus be the gate. Let Jesus be the shepherd. Let Jesus be the great I am in our lives to let him become Emmanuel, meaning, what is it? Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I love, I love Maxine. I love Maxine. All right. Come on. Don't let Maxine shame the rest of you. Emmanuel. 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 God is with us. And if God is for me, who can be against me? Nobody, no thing, no one. God is on my side. And even better news, I'm on his side. I'm not fighting my own battles. The battle is the Lord's. God is with us. Somebody ought to say amen this morning. Let's go ahead and stand up together. Can we stand up together? Hallelujah. What a beautiful beautiful thing to study out and realize that, man, 
what Jesus did for us? Wow. He left heaven to come down to this place. He laid it aside to become one of us and face the things that we face, to face the, the temptations and the trials. He did it all. He laid it aside, and it wasn't because his dad forced him to, like some teenager taking out the trash. He did it voluntarily. In fact, Jesus later on, he, he went on to say, hey, guys, calm down. No one's taking my life from me. I'm laying my life down. I'm giving my life away. No one's stealing it from me. I'm giving it. And so I just want to take a few minutes today to, man, honestly, you know, all, all joking aside, all, all funny business aside, I want to take a minute and think about Jesus, our great shepherd. Think about Jesus, the gate, the door protecting us from all the evils, all the nasty hatred and sickness and, and, and just terrible things going on in this world. We've got a savior that came down to this world to protect us, to take care of us, to become one of us, to do everything in his power to save us. I got to say thank you. I got to focus on that. I got to think about that. I, I, I got to give Jesus a few minutes of my time and thank him. And so I'm going to ask Josh to lead us in a worship song here and Really, I'd like to take a reverent minute here and, 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 and sing to Jesus, think about Him, and let this Christmas deal, this Emmanuel, God is with us, become a reality. But let's worship God for a few minutes. Can we do that? Higher than the mountains that I face. Stronger than the power of the grave A constant through the trial and the change One thing remains One thing remains your love never fails and never gives up and never runs out on me. Your love never fails and never gives up and never runs out on me. Your love never fails and never gives up and never runs out on me. Your love never fails and never gives up never runs out on me your love higher than the mountains higher than the mountains that I face stronger than the power Stronger than the power of the grave Constant through the trial A constant through the trial and the change A one thing remains A one thing remains your love never fails and never gives up and never runs out on me. 
Your love never fails and never gives up and never runs out on me. Your love never fails and never gives up and never runs out on me. Your love never fails and never gives up and never runs out on me. Your love. And on and on and on and on it goes. It overwhelms and satisfies my soul. And I never ever have to be afraid of one thing remains. Your love never fails and never gives up and never runs out on me. Your love never fails, it never gives up, and never runs out on me. Your love never fails, it never gives up, and never runs out on me. Your love never fails, it never gives up, and never runs out on me. Your love. Singing death and life, and death. In life, I'm confident and covered by the power of your great love. My debt, my debt is paid. There's nothing that can separate my heart from your great love. Your love never fails, it never gives up, and never runs out on me. Your love never fails, it never gives up, and never runs out on me. Your love never fails, it never gives up, and never runs out on me. Your love never fails, it never gives up, never runs out on me your love amen amen who's glad that he never runs out he never gives up on you when trouble comes he doesn't go up running every man for himself no he says i will be there for every person myself jesus is with us He's for us. And I'm telling you, that is the best gift I've ever received. The Lord's my shepherd. I got everything I need, man. I shall not want. I've got it all right there in Jesus. I love him so much. Amen. And so let me say this one more time. I just got to, Emmanuel. God's with us. All right. You're going to get really good at this over the next few weeks. But God is with us. Amen. Well, we're going to go ahead and, and close in prayer. Do the Barca Faith Confession. Then I've got a quick, uh, quick five minute or less family meeting. All right. Family meeting, everybody. You ever do that with your kids? Family meeting time. All right. Quick family meeting just to go over a few, few rules and all that stuff. So anyway, let's pray Barca Faith Confession, then quick family meeting. Can we do that? And I still got you out of here like at 11.35, man. I'd say, hey, that's that's pretty good. I'm proud of that. That was pretty good because we covered a lot of ground today. And if the restaurants were open, I'd say you could beat the Baptists over there to Popeye's, but they're not going and we're not going. It's okay. <laughs>
It's an old church joke. Never mind. Don't look at me like that. I'm not insulting the Baptist. My gosh, people. All right. Yes. All right. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you, Lord, so much for every single person here. Lord, you are so good to us. We love you. We appreciate you. We thank you that you are the great I am, that you are the good shepherd. You are the gate for the sheep, Lord, and you protect us. You surround us on every side. You're our shepherd. We shall not want. We shall not fear. We've got everything we need right there. Lord, I pray for every person here, every person listening online, everybody within the sound of my voice that has called upon you and made you their Lord. We know, we are confident, and we thank you, Jesus, that no sickness, no disease, no virus, no plague, no nothing shall touch us in any way. None of this other stuff going on in the world can mess with us because we are sticking close to the great eye. I am under the shadow of the Almighty. I speak blessings. I speak absolute joy over every person here. May every marriage be blessed. May every family be blessed. Every man, woman, and child be blessed by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. We love you and we thank you and we receive it today. Can somebody say amen? Let's speak some words of faith over Barstow. And hey, we're coming to the end of 2020. We've said this a lot of times, man. Nearly three times a week for 52 weeks, we've spoken a lot of words of faith over this city. And I believe that we're seeing some good things because of that. Amen. Let's say this and never get tired of saying it. And remember, we say this because our theme verse for 2020 is Proverbs 11.11. It says, when right living people bless the city, it flourishes, but evil talk turns it into a ghost town in no time. We are right living people. We bless the city so it will flourish. Amen. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. All right. Will you guys-